with you this evening. I'm with you most Sunday evenings, aren't I? But I don't know, I'll just say that whenever I'm speaking. It just That's my opening line for some reason. We're going to be reading um, from the Psalms again, um, continuing the series in the Psalms. And this this evening, we're, we're looking at Psalm 22. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we, we, we are going to read the entire Psalm. It's a little bit longer than some of the other ones we've looked at already, but it is important that we'll, we, we read all of it. So Psalm 22. To the chief musician set to the deer of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you are not, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, they look and stare at me. They divide my garments among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go to, down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. 
ending there in in verse 31. And as you read through the psalm, and we, we are going to be picking up on it, there's a clear change in the psalm, in, in the tone of the psalm. And the, and the change comes in at verse 21. And I, I tried to emphasize it in my reading. I don't, I don't know if I managed to or not, but there is a change. It starts off sad and it and then it turns into praise at the end. And so we we are going to look at the entire psalm this evening. Obviously, I'm not going to be looking at every single verse. Don't worry. We'll, we'll be here for a long time if I did. Um, I, I, I will be trying to to summarize some parts, but but, but we, will, we will look at the, in the entire psalm because it is um, a unit. It's a whole unit if you like and if and 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 it can be tempting just to focus on one part of it but i think we miss something if we do that so in this psalm we 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 have the words of david david wrote this psalm king david but 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 we also have the words of our lord jesus christ what this is really is a prophecy of christ david is speaking under the inspiration of the holy spirit like a prophet and he's he he is um He's ultimately saying what Christ would experience on the cross. We, we could, we, uh, I believe it's right to say that these are the words of Christ here. And, and, and we'll see that as we, as we go through this passage. And so this, this is a prophecy of Christ, of, of what he experienced on the cross, written roughly a thousand years before he actually died on the cross. And I heard a, an account recently of a life-changing experience of a, of a, of a well-known Christian in the 18th century called Count Zinzendorf. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was influential in the early Moravian church. Um, he would have known John Wesley and George Whitfield. They would have had connection there. And Count Zinzendorf was an early pioneer in, in, in world missions. The Moravians were famous for sending out missionaries. They sent out some of the first missionaries, um, in first Protestant missionaries, if you like. And, and he was an important figure in 18th century Protestant, Protestantism. And he was from a very wealthy background. That's why he's called Count Zinzendorf, very wealthy, very powerful family. And yet he decided to live his life for Christ. He decided to give everything for Jesus, to live totally for Jesus. He didn't use his, his power or his wealth for his own gain, but he used it for Christ and for the glory of Jesus. And and he was brought to this place of living for Jesus when he considered the sufferings of Christ on his behalf. One day while he was visiting Dusseldorf in Germany, he saw a painting by an Italian artist and the painting was called Behold the Man. And it was a painting of Christ having been whipped. And at the bottom of the painting, it had a Latin sentence. And what it said in Latin was, this have I done for thee. Now, what wilt thou do for me? And it's, 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 it's as though Christ is asking the question, this is what I've suffered for you. Now, what will you do for me? And it's said that, that he was so moved by the painting and, and he was so moved at what Christ has suffered on his behalf for his sins, that, that he was led to dedicate his life um, to serve Jesus. And, and it's this question that I want us to have in our minds as we look at these verses together this evening. This I have done for thee. Now, what wilt thou do for me? A very challenging question when we when we think of it on the lips of our Savior and when we picture all that He suffered for us. This I have done for you. Now, what will you do for me? How will you live for me? It's a question I want us to keep in our minds. And so, this psalm it it, it, it speaks of the sufferings of Christ, and this is what we see in verse one to twenty-one. But it also speaks about the exaltation of Jesus and 
and and and it, it hints at his resurrection and the glory that followed his sufferings. And this is what we see from verse 22 through to verse 31. And it's these two sections that I want us to look at this psalm this evening. We've got the suffering servant in verse 1 to verse 21. And then we've got the conquering Christ in verse 22 to verse 31. And so firstly, then, we, we have the suffering servant. And this is the, the unit from verse 1 to 21. And, and, and it begins with, 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 with these words that we're so familiar with in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we will recognize these words because they were on the word, the lips of our Lord Jesus, weren't they, when he was hanging on the cross. We read in Matthew 27, 46, these words. It says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so Christ took these words upon his lips. He, 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 he cried this out as he hung upon the cross. And here we, we have a window, if you like, into what was happening when Christ was on the cross. In, a, in, in some mysterious way, the father uh, turned away from the son. Now, we can't really grasp this. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than our, our, our uh, small brains can comprehend. But, but the Bible tells us that, 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 that for a moment at least, the father turned away from the son. Now, this is perhaps because because Christ became sin for us and sin is offensive to God. He became a curse for us. And so it was because of Christ's identification with our sin on the cross that the father, if you like, turned his face away. Now, the reason that Christ suffered this on the cross was for our sins, wasn't it? It was for us, for you and for me, for the wrongs we have done. We read that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And we, we come back to that question, don't we? This I have done for thee. Now what wilt thou do for me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet we see, although, although Christ asks God why he was forsaken, and he does so in verses 1 and 2, we see in verses 3 through 5 that he still trusted in the Father. He exclaimed that, that God is holy, that the Father's the patriarchs in the Old Testament, that they trusted in him and that he delivered them. Even when the father seemed to be far away, Christ still trusted in him. His, his hope was still in the father. But after this proclamation of trust, which we read in verses three and five, we, we see that Christ turns back to his sufferings again. And it's important that, that as we look at these next few verses, that we bear in mind that this is the creator who is saying this, the one who made everything. Is, 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 is speaking these words. And, and, and this is what he says. He says, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And now here we see that the Lord Jesus, who was adored by angels in heaven, when he dwelt among men, he became uh, a laughingstock. He was mocked by men. He was scorned by men. And we, all have, we have here in verse 8 almost a, a, direct, a direct quotation of what the scribes and Pharisees, and Pharisees, the chief priests, said about Christ when he was on the cross. We read in Matthew 27, 41 and 43, it says, Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved himself. Sorry, he saved others, himself he cannot save. 
If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And so we, we see that Christ was mocked on the cross. And this is what he's speaking about here. He says, I'm a worm and I'm no man. And so we're told about the, the sufferings of Christ. The father turned his face away. He was mocked as he, as he hung on the cross, mocked by the very people that he had created, the very people that he came to save. And we must bear in mind that Jesus bore this, not because he had to, but because he wanted to for us, for our sakes. And again, the question faces us, this I have done for thee. Now what wilt thou do for me? Now again, after describing his sufferings, we see in verses 9 through 11 that he, he, he proclaims his trust in God. And he describes how, how from the incarnation, from the moment he was born, that he trusted the Father. And here we have an example of, of how we as Christians are to respond in our sufferings. We're to continue to, to trust in God. Here we have an example in Christ, even though he was suffering this on the cross, still he trusted in the Father. And this, that's what we see in verses 9 through 11. And then in our final section of, 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 of the suffering servant, if you like, we, from verses 12 to 21, we, we, we have further descriptions of, of, of what he suffered. And these, these are his physical sufferings, if you like. We've seen his, his emotional suffering and, and, and the suffering that they experienced when the father turned his face away. But now we see his physical sufferings. In verse 12 and 13, he speaks about being surrounded by his enemies. Then in verse 14, he describes what, what would have taken place when a person was crucified. He says in verse 14, he says, all my bones are out of joint. One writer says this, it says, as the, as the strength of, of the muscles of Jesus, of, of, of his lower limbs tired, the weight of his body had to be transferred to his wrists, his arms, his shoulders. Within a short space of time of being on the cross, the shoulders of Jesus were almost certainly dislocated. Minutes later, his elbows and wrists became dislocated as well. And this is what he's saying here. My, all my bones are out of joint. And again, that question faces us, doesn't it? As we think of the sufferings of our, of our, of our loving Savior. This I have done for thee. Now what wilt thou do for me? How will you live for me now? And then in verse 15, he says, my tongue clings to my jaws. And this is a picture of, of the thirst that he experienced on the cross. We read in John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He thirsted on the cross. And this is what, what, what he's saying here in this psalm. And then again in verse 16, he speaks about being surrounded by his enemies. And then, and, then, and then at the end of that verse, he says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Now, that's a clear picture, isn't it, of the crucifixion. He was nailed to the cross. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And then in verse 17 to 18, we're reminded that he hung naked upon the cross. He says, I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among themselves. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Now, the reason that he could count all his bones was because they'd stripped him and they were staring at him. And the reason why the Romans did this to their victims was to humiliate them, to, 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 
to make them a laughing stock among the people. And so he's saying that, that I'm naked on the cross. They, I can count all my bones. They're staring at me. And then he says that not only that, but they're dividing my clothes among themselves. And we read about this in the Gospels, don't we? All four Gospels record for us that the soldiers parted his clothes among themselves. They, 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 they took what they wanted of, 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 of what he was wearing. Matthew 27, verse 35 says, Then they crucified Jesus and divided his garments, casting lots so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided, divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And again, the, the question faces us. This I have done for thee. What wilt thou do for me? And then again, after describing his sufferings, he calls upon the Father to deliver him and help him all the Father. And now here we, we have a very graphic description, don't we, of all that the Lord Jesus suffered for us. And we must remember this. He did this for us. It was in order to redeem us, to redeem you, to redeem me from, from our sins. He suffered the, 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 the punishment that, that we should bear. That hymn comes to mind, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Now, if, if, if Christ is your saviour this evening, then what should your response be to this? Surely our, our response should be to follow him, to, to, to live obedient and holy lives, to give everything for him, to give our lives for him, to take up our cross and follow him to live sacrificial lives, to put him first in every area of our lives, to repent of all sin and to seek to please him in all that we do, to desire to do his will alone, to live lives of purity and holiness. We should be making him known. We, 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 we should be wanting to know him more. We should make his glory our, our aim in life, to, to, to make him known among, among people we know. And, and if you're not a Christian, then your response must be to repent and believe. You can, you're hearing about the sufferings of Christ and what, he, what, he, what Jesus suffered on the cross. But it, you must understand that he suffered this for, for your sins. And that, uh, and that if you repent and believe that, that you can be forgiven. And that he did this for you because he loves you. And so there we see the suffering servant, verses 1 to 21. Next we see the conquering Christ. If you like the first section, we could say that God was silent. In the second section, we can say God has answered. And this is what we see, verses 22 to 31. So that we have, we've, we've had a very pic vivid picture of what Christ has suffered to pay for our sins on the cross. But now, now the psalm changes in tone. It goes from being a heavy psalm of crying out to God for help to one that becomes one that's burst, bursting full of praise. Now that God has answered. And now the change comes at the end of verse 21. And some translations miss this for some reason. I'll explain it in a moment. But the New King James says this. At the end of verse 21, it says, you have answered me. And it separates that from the rest of verse 21. And other translations do it as well. The New American Standard does it. I think the ESV captures it as well, as well as the King James. But for some reason, the NIV um, in Instead of following the Hebrew here, it follows the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. And, and so the Septuagint, the translation of the Hebrew, doesn't have that in. So for some reason, the NIV followed that reading instead of the Hebrew. But in the Hebrew, it says at the end of verse 21, you have answered me. And it's after that 
the, the change comes. And, 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 and it's important for us to see that, that God answered Christ. And so we could ask, well, when did he answer? Well, he, he didn't rescue him from the cross, did he? Jesus did die on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. That's what Easter is all about. That's why we're celebrating Easter today, because God did answer. God raised Christ from the dead, victorious. He didn't allow his body to see corruption. And so the first section paints the crucifixion of Christ. The second section pictures the exaltation of Jesus from the dead after he's been raised to life. And that's what we see in this second section. And, and, and so we see in verse 22 that Christ is speaking to the Father, if you like. And he's saying that he will declare the name of the father to his people. In verse 22, he says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Now, it's important for us to know that this verse was quoted in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 12, as being said by Christ. The writer of Hebrews knew that this was speaking about Jesus. And this, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make their captain of salvation perfect through sufferings. That's the cross. And then it says for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And so Hebrews says that we are one with Christ. And for that reason, Christ calls us, he calls Christians his brethren. And what we're seeing here in this psalm is that he will declare the name of God to his brethren, to, to those who believe. And so he's saying he will reveal the father to us. And this is what Christ came to do, isn't it? He came so that we might know God, so that we might have eternal life, which is to know him. He came to reveal the father to us. He said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so, so that's, what he, that's what it says in, in verse 22. He, 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 he calls people in verse 22 and 23 to praise the father. And then in verse 24, he tells them why. He says, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Again, another uh, 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 another um, uh, he, he, another reference to the resurrection. He's saying that God answered. When he cried, he, he heard him. And this is speaking about when Christ was risen from the dead. God raised Jesus. He says in, in Romans 1 that he was declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. And then in, in verse 25 and 26 of the psalm, Christ continues to praise the father. And then from verse 27 to the end of the psalm, Jesus declares what the outcome of his death is and what the outcome of his resurrection shall be. And, 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 and this is what we see in the final section. What was the point of the sufferings of Christ and of his exaltation? He experienced these things. We're reading of it in the Psalms. What was it for? Verse 27 tells us that all nations will worship God. He says, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. Now, when this psalm was originally written of, of the Bible, the true and living God, he was seen as the God of Israel. But Christ is saying in this psalm that his death and his resurrection will open the way of salvation for every nation. That people from every language and tongue and tribe will come to him. 
And in, in verse 29, Christ says that both the prosperous, those who are rich, and also those who die shall praise God. He's saying everyone will praise God because of what has happened on the cross and, 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 and in the resurrection. And then in verse 30 to 31, he declares that this shall go on forever from generation to generation. They will praise him. And then, and then at the end of verse 31, he says that this will be declared forever, that he has done this. And the psalm begins, sorry, finishes with, with that phrase, that he has done this. And so he asked the question, he has done what? What was what, he speaking about? Well, he's speaking about, firstly, the sufferings of the Savior, that Christ suffered in our place. But not only that, that God answered him and that he raised him from the dead, that Christ is a living Savior, the victorious Savior. And here we see that this will be declared forever, that he has done this. The Father raised Christ from the dead. Yes, Jesus suffered for our sins. The Father turned his face away. The people mocked. They nailed his hands and feet. He hung naked. His bones were out of joint. He thirsted. Yes, he died. But God answered him. Jesus was raised from the dead, victorious, conquering sin and death. Yes, Jesus suffered on the cross, but he did so in order that he might have a people for himself, whom he calls his brethren. That's us. And so that people from every language and tongue and tribe and nation might serve him. And so in this psalm, as we finish, we have the crucifixion of Christ, don't we? Very vividly uh, described for us. And we also have the resurrection of Christ and the exaltation of Christ in the final part of the psalm. Verse 1 to 21, we have the sufferings of our Saviour. Jesus suffered for our sins on our behalf. And then the psalm in the final section describes the, the, the resurrection and his exaltation. And he's calling people to praise God for what he has done. Now Christ reveals his father to us, his brethren, those who believe, and he will gather all nations to himself. In this psalm, we see the suffering servant and the conquering Christ. And the question that is such a challenge to us as we finish, when we think about the sufferings of Christ, it's that question, isn't it? This I have done for you. Now what will you do for me? How will we live our lives in response to all that Christ has done for us? He gave his life for us are we giving our lives for him are we living for him to know him and to make him known do we do we want to see him glorified he has revealed the father to us he 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 he, he now uh, calls people from every tribe and nation to himself what are we doing to promote the cause of christ are we telling people about him this i have done for thee now what wilt thou do for me and maybe you're listening to this and, and you're not a Christian. You don't believe in Jesus. Well, I want you to know that Jesus did this for you to pay for the wrongs you have done. And he also rose again from the dead and he's the living savior. And the Bible says that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved, forgiven for every wrong made right with God. That's what can happen if you believe in Jesus. So I'm just going to finish in prayer and then I'll, I'll hand back over over to Jonathan just pray father we thank you for what you have done for us we thank you lord jesus that you suffered in our place that you died for our sins and we say that we love you and we thank you and we praise you lord we we want to live for you we want to serve you in our lives. father help us to to live obedient lives, to live holy lives, 
to live lives of, of self-sacrifice for your honour and glory. Father, you have given so much for us. Help us to, 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 to give all that we are to you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you that we cannot earn it, that it's a free gift by faith, but yet we can serve you with the rest of our lives. And we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to live for you. And Father, for any uh, listening this evening who, who, who maybe do not know Jesus, Father, we pray that as they've heard of his suffering for their sins on their behalf, that they will believe in him and be saved. Father, we thank you for the suffering servant. We also thank you for the conquering Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.